This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. So where do we start today? Well, today's a special day if you're a football fan, first and foremost. I guess specifically more so if you're a Jet fan because you got a big day in Canton, Ohio coming up a little bit later on this afternoon with the Hall of Fame induction class 2023, the ceremony, Darrell Rivas, Joe Klecko going into the Hall of Fame. We'll have some stuff to say about that a little bit later on. Maybe uh, check in with a surprise or two from Canton as we move forward throughout the course of the morning. Jets are back on the practice field today as well, closer to home. After the preseason opener on Thursday night in the Hall of Fame game, Giants, of course, continuing their preparations over in East Rutherford. Giants are going to hit the road in a couple of days and head to Detroit a couple of days early to scrimmage with the Lions before they have their preseason opener next Friday. Jets will go down a few days early to Carolina to have a couple of practices with the Panthers before those two teams are going to square off a week from today, Saturday afternoon, that you can hear, of course, right here on 98.7 ESPN. But we'll start with the baseball because, you know, this was an eventful week if you're a baseball fan. And specifically... If you're a fan of the two teams here, you looked at this past week with different philosophies. No, right? I mean, if you're a Met fan, unless you were the most optimistic of optimistic fans, you thought that you should just maintain the status quo. Don't be sellers. They'll get it together, right? There's too much good that these players have done in their careers to where eventually Things are going to get back to the mean, and maybe, just maybe, they're going to make a late postseason push and steal a wild-card berth, having the richest payroll in the history of baseball. But Mets decided to go in another direction, which I am fully, fully in support of, and we've talked about this many times over the week. And actually, last night, the Mets actually sent out a letter to their fans explaining the decision-making over the last couple of weeks and to tear this team down into with an eye on the future. So if you didn't get a chance to hear any of that, we'll share that with you a little bit later on, too. But then you look at the Yankees. Because by all accounts, the Yankees are the team that represents a better chance of at least making a legit postseason push throughout the rest of this season, right? They have a winning record. And I know that they've really kind of looked uninspired for much of this season, but they still have a winning record. And they're still technically within striking distance of making the playoffs, right? Going into last night, they were only a couple of games out of that last wild card berth. And it's not like they had to leapfrog 15 teams to get there. So as unimpressive as maybe they have looked at times, you still looked at it at face value and said, well, you know what? The Yankees, they got themselves a shot. So don't you think you might as well go and add and try to make this team a little bit better? Well, Yankees tried to do that. The only problem is is that it takes two to tango. And they weren't finding any sort of willing partners to be able to give them a better chance of making a postseason push. And voila, they did next to nothing with the exception of bringing in a couple of middling arms to be able to help their pitching depth. Great. They thought that Aaron Judge getting back into the swing of things would help them, even though Yankees are still very reluctant to run him out there every single night. You know, he still needs, plays three games, needs a rest, plays three games, needs a rest. Yankees, you know, they didn't get the memo that they're not a team with a 10-game lead in first place. You know, they're still chasing several other clubs here, right? Every game is critical. They're playing catch-up. But I've said what I had to say about that. I mean, I don't agree with the philosophy. I think they're being way too cautious with Aaron Judge. 
It's not like he's going to go out there to the point where, you know, he's going to damage that toe so much that, you know, he's never going to be able to play baseball again for the rest of his career. That's not happening. There's no danger of that. But I began the show last night, for those that were with us, and I know that there were a lot of you, that I was actually encouraged by what I saw from the Yankees the previous couple of games. Right? They were able to salvage that finale against the Tampa Bay Rays back on Wednesday. All right, it's a win. You don't get swept. Then they turn around on Thursday, and you have the Houston Astros coming into town, an Astros team which just has absolutely owned them for the last several years, whether it's regular season, postseason, you name it. And they go out and they get an early lead, then they squander that lead, and then they get the lead back. And they win back-to-back games against a couple of good teams. And you're thinking, all right, maybe you got something cooking here. Maybe the Yankees have a second wind that they're going to be able to show you for the last couple of months of the season. Stanton swinging a hot bat all of a sudden. Maybe this gets him going here, right? You have a little bit of belief. You go to the ballpark on Friday night, Big Apple TV game. You got the Bucky Dent bobblehead. Astros in town trying to get three in a row. What could be better? Well, unfortunately, same old, same old for the Yankees. Because when you looked at the pitching matchup last night, you saw Luis Severino's name on it. And Luis Severino, lack of a better term, the only reason that he had the ball last night is because Domingo Herman is in alcohol rehab right now, trying to get his life straightened out. That's the only reason Severino took to the hill, because based on merit and based on performance, he don't deserve to be there. And even the Yankees had a little bit of belief, maybe, a little bit of momentum, some positive vibes going into that game last night. What happens? Starting pitcher completely takes the air out of the building in the first inning. Again. And how many times have we said that over the last several weeks with Luis Severino on the mound? Fact of the matter is, guys, and I hate to keep harping on it, but it's true. Luis Severino right now, when he takes the ball, is non-competitive. He's not. You can't go out there and continually put your team in a hole in the first inning time and time and time again, especially when you consider this offense has been inconsistent, if anything at all. And you can't rely on them to continue to dig themselves out of these deficits. All right, and the Astros are a lineup to where, all right, whether they get you in the first inning or not, you know that they're going to tack on some runs as the game goes on, and they did that again last night. But Severino right now is a major, major problem for this team, and I don't know what you do if you're the Yankees. I really and truly don't know. Like I said, Herman out of the picture, you need to somehow put five guys out there in that rotation. You know, you think Johnny Abreu, or excuse me, Johnny Abreu, Johnny Brito is a better option than Luis Severino? You think you want to go the opener route instead of Severino? Regardless of whatever the Yankees decide to do, once out of every five days, they are essentially punting on that day's game. They're not going to tell you that they are, but to a man, how can you feel confident? when you see that Severino's name is the one that's up next here in the rotation. You just can't. Because he is not giving them any chance whatsoever to win games. You see a guy, his confidence is shaken. His fastball has absolutely no life on it whatsoever. It is as flat as flat could be. And big league hitters, especially good ones, are going to tee off on that. And that's what they've been doing to Luis Severino. You see what his ERA is, by the way? 
in the first inning of games this year? Forget about what his ERA is in general. You see what his ERA is in the first inning? 13.85. Wow. I could go out there and pitch to a tidier ERA than nearly 14. I mean, that's that. That's not big league caliber. Not even close. So that being said, what do you do if you're the Yankees? Here was Severino after the game last night trying, trying to at least put into words what the heck he's going through right now. I think it's a little both. I'm not going to lie. Every time I give up a homer or a run in the first inning, it's like, Jesus Christ, what, what am I doing? And I start looking for different stuff. It's this mechanic, if it's stepping. You know, this is a really good lineup. You know, if you make a mistake, you're going to pay for it. You know, I, I don't even think invoking the name of our Lord and Savior is going to do you any good at this point. Right? I mean, if Jesus Christ was a pitching coach, you know, the Yankees would have hired him a long time ago to fix this. This is, like I said, it's, it, it's not big league caliber. You can't have it. So Aaron Boone was posed that same question. I mean, what, what do you do right now with this guy? What do you do with Luis Severino? Can you explain it? He's human. It's difficult. You know, it's no fun when you're going through that and you're scuffling, especially when you've been as good a pitcher as he's been. You've got to have perspective and priorities and things like that. So he's working really hard to try and unlock himself and to get, you know, to where we know he can get. Well, you know what? We're all working really hard. It still doesn't mean that we should get the ball once every five days to pitch for the New York Yankees on the big league level. Right. It's the bottom line. And it's funny because one of the other things that Aaron Boone said after the game last night was, all options are on the table. Because somebody asked him, well, are you going to maybe send him to the bullpen? Just to maybe let him get his head together again? Maybe get some confidence back a little bit? And Boone said, all options are on the table. That's what he said after the last start, too. So now you have the manager who's out of answers a little bit. Starting to sound like a broken record. And what else is he supposed to say? Because what Severino's going through right now, let's face it, offensively, you had a lot of these hitters that also went through the slumps and had non-competitive at-bats out there for a prolonged period of time. Yankees had a guy, their first baseman, who it took him two months to find out that he's dealing with post-concussion syndrome and maybe why he was striking out five times a game and looked like a meandering hitter for the last two months, right? Up until the last few days, I mean, Giancarlo Stanton was a guy who looked like that for much of the season, and on and on and on. Yankees had a lot of those guys here. So it seems to be a common theme, right, as to these guys struggling. But... Here's the trick of the matter. If you're the Yankees, and remember, Brian Cashman on Monday sat up there at the podium and explained the Yankees' philosophy at the trade deadline, and he said his words, not mine, they're in it to win it. If that is indeed your intentions for the remainder of this baseball season, guess what? You cannot have a guy out there once every five days who gives you absolutely no chance to win. None. So get creative, find a way to piece together 27 outs when his name would normally come up in the rotation because you cannot keep sending Luis Severino out there. You can't. Or, you know what, if the first inning is his big bugaboo and he's pitching to that 14 ERA, maybe you use an opener on the days that Severino is supposed to start and make him a bulk guy if possible. I don't know if he steps on that mound in the second or the third inning or something like that, maybe because it doesn't say on the scoreboard at Yankee Stadium, top one, that maybe he can relax a little bit, but it's still going to be his first inning of work technically. So which one is it? The first inning that he's on the mound or literally the first inning of the game that he can't overcome? But they got to find out. 
They have to find out. Now you got a guy coming in here today in Nestor Cortez who hasn't thrown a pitch since the end of May. And think of how much pressure is on him. You're in a pennant race. You're in it to win it. There's no acclimation period. There's no getting your feet wet. There's no working off the rust. You are, my friend, thrown immediately into a pennant race and into a rotation, more importantly, which needs help. Because one of these guys is not looking like a big league pitcher anymore. So good luck, Nestor. And our old buddy Justin Verlander, by the way, is going for the Astros today. We'll hear some of the things that he had to say a couple of days back about, more importantly, his time in Queens this year. Imagine if we talked about that like in March. We said, oh, yeah, Astros-Yankees in August in the Bronx. Verlander's going for the Astros. He would have said, huh? (laughs) What? What, did they find out that the contract had to be voided or something? Did he forget to dot an I or cross a T? And they ruled that it wasn't legit? What happened? 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We're just getting started on this Saturday morning. A lot of things planned. We'll do plenty of the baseball. Some football as well. Big Dane Canton, if you're a Jeff fan, with Klecko and Rivas going into the Hall of Fame. We'll do some Giants. And boy, the world of college sports has gone completely upside down. Is it not? Again. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. So the Yanks went into yesterday two games back of that last wild card spot, but then they lose last night, and Seattle picks up another victory. They've now won three in a row. Like I said, watch out for the M's. And Toronto got a victory last night as well. So the Yanks now find themselves three and a half back of the Jays for that final playoff spot in the American League, and they're still trailing Boston and Seattle, even though it's by only a half a game and a game respectively for that final spot. So still a lot of games to play, but the problem is, okay, now you got 52 of them left. Each and every one of them has significance, has value. And today you're going to give the ball to Nestor Cortez, 
to go up against Justin Verlander. And look, we know Verlander just by watching him certainly all season long with the Mets. We know that it took him a little while to get going, but he's turned things around for the most part. Look, he's still not that guy who won the Cy Young Award last year. He's not. I mean, the wipeout stuff is not there. The strikeout rate is down from what we're used to seeing from him. But you know that he is certainly someone capable, and you know that he's going to be extremely comfortable pitching for that organization because that was his home for the last several years. It's not like he's going into a totally new situation like a lot of players do when they get traded at the deadline. He's acclimated. He'll be ready for this year. And I wouldn't even expect any sort of an adjustment period today. I mean, this is almost like his second home. But if you're Nestor, hey, man. Welcome back. Now go out there and pitch a good game. Seriously. Right? Because of what Severino didn't give them last night and the fact that each and every one of these games still means something for them, he's got to go out there and deliver. No other way around it. And this is somebody who hasn't thrown a pitch in over two months. And it was scuffling a little bit before he went on the injured list as well. So this will be very, very interesting to watch this afternoon, and I'm curious to see how it all plays itself out. All right, let's get some calls up here. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let us start it off with Jose in Brooklyn. Jose was at the game last night, was sitting there in those legend seats. He got himself the bobblehead, the whole nine yards. <laughs> look at you. Look, look, look oh, Mr. Man. High Roller in the legend box here. What is going okay. on? <laughs> Good morning, Dan. Good morning, guys. Uh, and shout out to the company. And I have two points. So first, you know, I've got this, you know, 30-30 for our idea, you know, and I, I, I and it's Requiem for the Pac-12. Because, you know, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I've even got, you know, the perfect moment of when it changed. Remember when, the you know, at that time, the Pac-10 was thinking of adding Texas? Mm -hmm. But they didn't want to add Texas A&M and Texas Tech and all those other, you know, ugly Texas schools that they didn't want to add. Remember that? Sure. Okay, that is going to be the Penn State Big East moment where Big East didn't want to take in Penn State because, you know, it wasn't in a city and et cetera, et cetera. And we all know what ended up happening. The Big East ended up folding and falling apart because, the Big East football you know, the, did, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep, exactly. So we kind of know, and, you know, that's why Syracuse and, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, schools that were mainstays, you know, are part of another conference. And that's kind of what's happened to the Pac-12 here, where they didn't take those ugly schools from Texas, along with Texas when it was a big major powerhouse. And now all of a sudden it is scrambling and it looks like it's about to fold with just four schools. So Jose, here, it's, very Jose it's folding. It's, it's, it's basically there's nothing left. Of it, but the main reason yeah. why this is happening with the Pac-12 is because of the leadership of the conference and their inability mm -hmm. to secure a TV network. That's why. Exactly. Because, you know, the Pac-12 network, okay, they did not get as much distribution nationally as some of these other conference networks did, like the Big Ten Network, the ACC mm -hmm. Network, SEC, who all have, you know, the Big Ten Network is affiliated with yeah. the Fox family, the other two with ESPN. You could get that stuff nationally. Pac-12 Network, for as long as it's been around, like I said, I've had DirecTV for over a decade. Pac-12 Network was never on DirecTV. So when you had yeah. games and programming exclusive to the conference, there was no distribution. That's number one. The conversations mm -hmm. they were having 
with some of these other media partners to try to secure a TV deal in recent weeks, guess what it looked like it turned up as? It was going to be a streaming deal only. So could you imagine that? This is 2023 major college sports, and a conference is supposed to accept a streaming deal. These members of the the conference saw this, and they said, guess what? Goodbye. We're We're gone because that's not where the money is anymore. And, 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 and the ironic thing was it was literally right before, you know, the fees and everything else was going to end right before the new contract. Correct. So that's why I was just like, it set up a perfect storm. And I was just like, hey, this right, is what it is. Because they had no media deal. They don't have to mm-hmm. pay any exit fees. They could just leave mm-hmm. and close the back door and turn the lights out when they're done. Exactly. So, yeah. And I was, uh, and just now back to my Yankee point, um, wanted to just go out there and it, 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 like what you said about Severino, it's totally true because when he got those first two outs, I was shocked. I was like, oh my God, can we, you know, actually get out of this inning? And then, you know, everything started to unravel and the three run home run came and the guy next to me was just like, why, why even pitch this guy? And I'm just like, it, 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 it just has to be the money at this point. And they're just not going to get it done. They're just, you know, these 52 games are going to be a long nightmare. We're, we're in for a very rude awakening. Uh, the, the way the Astros were playing yesterday, by the way, you are right. Verlander looked like it, it, it was just like he was on that team like yesterday. You know, he was blending in with it, with, with, with all the people, with, with all, all the guys already so it's already a done deal the Yankees are done they're finished and oh by the way Dusty Baker asked his player to drop a bunt you know and I I thought this that was forbidden in this day of of analytics (laughs) small ball is alive and well Jose and I thank you for the call as always um sorry it didn't work out for you last night seeing your team win a game but look the Astros and, and this isn't exactly breaking news right but the Astros are in a different class than the Yankees are. And so far, this has been a quote-unquote down season for the Astros. Remember, as you and I are talking right now, they're not even in first place in their own division. They're not. But they're still light years ahead of the Yankees. I don't care what the standings say. You look at the Astros, you look at the Yankees, who are you going to have more faith in right now? You know, if you had to buy stock in one of these two teams for the remainder of the season, it's not even close. Remember, they just got done... Uh, being without Jordan Alvarez and Jose Altuve for a month. And it didn't cripple them that much. This is a championship organization, obviously, because they are the defending World Series champions. And would you really and truly be shocked if they're not standing up there in the winner's circle again once October rolls around? You know, the Verlander acquisition, I mean, they needed a little bit of stability in that rotation. Or Keedy's back now. You know, they had they had missed like three of their starting pitchers from opening day for a bulk of the season. You know, they lost guys for the season already when McCullers and Garcia and so on and so forth. And to be able to get Verlander back, all right, maybe he's not pitching at the level he did last year, but that's huge for him. It really and truly is. Now, when we come back, we'll hear from Verlander because I think it means something to the Met fan, more importantly. Because when Verlander gave his press conference the other day, he didn't talk as much about the Astros and being back with the Astros. He also said a lot about the Mets and his time here and really a little bit of a peek into where this organization is headed for the next couple of years. And, oh, by the way, we got ourselves an explanation from ownership. The letter. The letter is out. 
trying to convince season ticket holders that the ship is not exactly sinking over there in Flushing. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Grasso Show here on a Saturday morning at 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. So Verlander today for the Strohs. And, of course, his 2023 season has been nothing else except as a New York Met, as we know. So when he met the media the other day at Yankee Stadium, a lot of that conversation had to do with his time with the New York Mets. And he was asked point blank, well, what exactly went wrong for the Mets this year? We kind of got off on the wrong foot. You know, everything that could go wrong did early on. And you know, even though we started playing some good baseball at times, we never really hit that, hit our stride where we were kind of banging on all cylinders. Um, can't answer exactly why that is. You know, I think we all in that locker room and stayed extremely positive. I, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to the guys. I mean, we never let it get negative in there, which is hard to do when things are not going well and kind of kept expecting it to happen. And it just didn't click. And the other thing that Justin said was, and I think that a lot of us could probably echo these thoughts, is that not in a million years did he ever see this situation coming. I haven't really come to terms with it. It's I don't think anybody saw this coming. You know, you commit to a team and you, you commit to, to trying to win a, a championship there, and that's your vision, right? You're all in. And then a few months later, you know, you're back with the team you were with the last season. And, you know, I feel like I was just really starting to get settled in the city and my apartment and my family was really getting used to things here. You know, you start building a life off the field. Um, you know, you build, you try to build a life in the city that you're in and you start getting comfortable and you make friends. And so that part is really difficult. It's a lot on the family. You know, I, I get that. I totally get that 100%. But you know what? $43 million a year, you'll make it work. You know, I, th- I think you could round up an Airbnb someplace in Houston and you can make it work for the next two months. <laughs> you know, it'll be okay. I understand the moving and anything, but you know what? That's the life of a professional athlete. It happens. But when you're being compensated like these guys are, I, I think that the average Joe, you know, hears comments like that and they're like, all right, please save it for another day. I, I-, I totally get it. But um, lastly, this is the most interesting part here because he had to have those conversations, just like Max Scherzer did, about waiving the no trade clause. And. They had to get the speech from Billy Epler and Steve Cohen just about what direction this Mets franchise is headed next year. And Justin Verlander was at least confident in the fact that he thinks that they're going to be competitive. 
I don't know exactly what their plan is, right? Clearly their plan in the short term was to bolster their minor league organization with prospects. The direction I was told for next year was it wasn't going to be the exact same MO as this season, which is which is fill every gap that you need with a free agent um, that didn't quite work out. So why double down on that strategy? If I was looking at it through their lens, you look at the, the players that they have earmarked for next season, Edwin Diaz coming back and the same core that you had going into this year, I, I don't see why they wouldn't think that they would be competitive. Well, look, woulda, coulda, shoulda, and, and, and we've talked about this certainly over the last few days, just about what 2024 is going to look like for the Mets. None of us exactly know, right? When you're looking at this starting rotation right now and the guys that are currently a part of it, you know, Kodai Senga is going to be here. Jose Quintana still has one more year under contract. We don't know if he's going to be on this team or not. I would be surprised right now if he isn't, but you never know what the plans are going to be in the offseason. Other than that, you've got three spots that in all probability are going to be up for grabs. You know, could you see David Peterson winning a fifth starter spot on this team next year? I, I mean, I guess you can. I mean, he was in the mix for it this year. You know, the Tyler McGill's of the world, I, I think that ship has sailed, but whatever. Who am I? So you have a lot of work to do as far as that's concerned, but... The reason why I'm not exactly all Mr. Gloom and Doom when it comes to the Mets' chances next year is, first and foremost, they're not going to do anything foolish to where they're going to go give hundreds of millions of dollars to somebody who's maybe past their prime, whose best days are behind them, who are maybe a short-term alternative, just like, let's say, Verlander and Scherzer were. Because when the Mets decided to go all in with those two guys, they had a club that they felt was ready to compete for a championship. That's not going to be the case next year. Right? They're building this thing for the long term. That is why they incorporated all this young talent and all these prospects into the club with the series of trades that they made. So it's still going to be a big picture approach. But I don't see a reason as to why this team still can't at least be playing meaningful games when you get into late August, maybe even into September. I mean, look around baseball right now. Really. Look around the sport. I mean, the Marlins are in the mix right now. They're only five games over 500. It's not like you have to play, like, unbelievable baseball to still be in the mix. You know, the Arizona Diamondbacks still have a pulse, even though that they have really scuffled, certainly since the All-Star break. But they're a few games over 500. they They're in the mix. That's only, like, a couple of games better than the Mets. So can you really see a scenario where this team is going to be dreadful? Now, look, the rest of this season, forget it. That's a different story altogether. The rest of 2023, I mean, I, I, I can't sit here in good conscience and give you a reason to put on a Mets game the rest of the season. I can't. Because what I've seen for the last few days, and even including last night, I mean, it's just, I, I, I legit feel bad for Buck Showalter and, and the dudes that have to actually watch that product on a daily basis for the remainder of 2023. It is bad. Bad, 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 bad. I mean, you had James McCann last night. You want to talk about bad? Remember James McCann? The two years he was here was a Met with a Met. That signing didn't work out, obviously. James McCann last night had three hits for the Orioles and five RBIs against his former team. I don't remember James McCann driving in five runs his entire time as a Met. And he had five of them last night in the one game. I mean, it's just, it's abysmal right now. You know, you got dudes in that lineup that you're just like, who the hell are these guys? Whether it's pitchers, whether it's guys playing the outfields, it's it just, oh my, and, and that's, look, that's the byproduct of a fire sale. But just because this is the current state of affairs in 2023, it doesn't mean that this is going to then fester over to next year. They are going to make moves to where they're going to put at least a respectable product on the field. 
Now, whether that's creative in terms of trades, I, like I said, I don't expect them to spend hundreds of millions of dollars in payroll. That's not going to happen because they still are going to have a lot of dead money on that payroll next year for guys that they're paying who are no longer on the club. But Brandon Nimmo's here. Francisco Alvarez is here. Francisco Lindor is here. Okay, I'm assuming, even though you can never be too sure, Pete Alonso is still going to be here. I'm assuming Jeff McNeil is still going to be here. I'm assuming that Starling Marte is still going to be here. These are all guys that have been all-star players, and they're not that far removed from it. Some of them are having disappointing down years. Does that mean that's going to happen again next year? No. Okay, so I'm trying to put an optimistic spin on things. What if these guys revert back to the way that they're capable of playing? You sprinkle in a couple of, you know, average-cost veterans here and there. Maybe you play above their heads a little bit. You're getting Edwin Diaz back to stabilize the back end of that bullpen. Why can't the Mets be competitive? As I'm quick to remind you, if you look at payroll and you look at salaries in baseball for this year, six of the ten lowest payroll teams in baseball on August the 5th are still in playoff contention. You don't have to spend $350 million to be competitive in this sport. You don't. Developing players, nurturing a farm system, making smart, wise, cost-efficient moves in free agency to where it's not going to cripple you and you're able to get maximum return, that's how you play above your heads a little bit. But the Mets have some things to figure out, right? Like, first and foremost, you know, is Buck going to be back next year? I feel bad for Buck going back to Baltimore last night because – Buck rides into town, not as the guy who was the manager of the year last year in the National League and had 101 victories. He rides into town as the captain of a ship, which has been one of the biggest disappointments in the sport this year, if not the biggest disappointment, right? And by the way, speaking of disappointments, if you saw it last night, which I don't know how many of you did, but I was up watching it. But the Padres, remember, the Padres decided not to sell off at the deadline. Padres went out there and made as many splashy moves as the Mets did. Their payroll was only lower than the Mets and the Yankees. They went all in, and they have been all in for the last couple of years, but the Padres held pat at the deadline. They didn't sell off, but they've been a major disappointment. The Padres watching them are essentially watching the Mets if they didn't sell off at the trade deadline. That's what the Padres are. And last night they had a lead in the late innings against the Dodgers and their bullpen completely blew up in their face as they usually do against the Dodgers and L.A. came back and beat them, you know? And it's just another disappointing loss for San Diego, but now they can't get out from under it because they continue to stay all in for the season, which I think is a mistake. But what can you do? And also the differences between the Mets and the Padres, you know, the Mets signed guys who were in their late 30s, early 40s and gave them all that big money too. The Padres signed guys who were still kind of in their early 30s, still a lot of baseball ahead of them here. It just hasn't worked out, right? just hasn't worked out. Here was Buck, by the way, last night. He was asked, how do you get out of this losing streak? To play better, you know, and uh, some people that uh, are getting an opportunity have to take advantage of it. You know, pitchers, position players, and guys like Lindor, they're doing what they can do you know we're, we tied that game up there in the sixth but you know got some uh, pitching issues you know pete gave us what he could you know he bent but uh, we had a couple double plays that we weren't able to turn and testament to them foot speed so you know, we're just not pitching very well and not scoring many runs it's a bad combination it's a horrible combination it, it really and truly is it, it's it's dreadful you know it, it really and truly 
It's a horrible, horrible situation that this team finds themselves in for the remainder of the season. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We come back. We get some calls up. And also, also, Mets ownership wrote a letter to the fans explaining what they did, where they're headed, and can you take solace in it if you're a Met fan? You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. I, I, I would assume that if you're one of the winners of this contest for the remainder of the season, given the way things are with the Mets right now, it, it doesn't even matter who's pitching for the Yankees. Like, I, I would choose Luis. If Luis Severino was pitching, I think I would still choose them over anybody that the Mets are throwing. Really, I mean, like, what can you realistically pick for the Mets? Or do you want to maybe make an argument about Senga? Maybe, maybe, especially if it's a home game. You know, he's a little bit better at City Field than he is on the road. I could see that. But otherwise, just you, you got to go Yankees. You got to. And today it's going to be Nestor Cortez. It's the only. It's the only option you could possibly have. So Sarah was smart enough to. She's like, well, you know what? Nestor hasn't pitched since May, but that's all right. You know. I mean, the Mets have Tyler McGill. That dude was scuffling down in AAA. But because of absolute necessity and the Mets traded away half of the rotation, we got to bring him up and he's got to pitch. Um, 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. Let us say hi to Jason in Jersey City, who was up next here on uh, 98.7. Jason, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Dan. Hey, how you doing, man? Jay, um, I'm doing good. Just wanted, uh, just wanted to get into So I like what the Mets are doing. Uh, I'm a Cardinals fan, but I – in, up here, northeast, so I listen to you guys and just kind of gets me embedded a little bit. But I like what the Mets are doing. Um, I, I, I'm a Raiders fan also, so like I'm 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 double plighted with um, with the Cardinals this year and the Raiders just perpetually. So so let me um, so, so let me ask you a I question. Like, I I have to know the answer to this question. You know that. How did you become a Cardinal fan and a Raider fan? Okay, so Cardinals grew up in the Midwest. Just family. That was just. What it was. I was an hour and a half from St. Louis. Gotcha. Raiders fan, uh, Jim Plunkett. Okay. Jim Plunkett. And I got to meet him. I got to meet him one day and I told my wife um, at the time, I was like, I didn't know whether to like shake his hand or take a swing at him for making me a Raiders fan. Because of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, t- I so, mean, uh, you could have too bad Jim Plunkett, you know, he could have made you a Patriots fan before he got to the Raiders. Maybe you would have been a little bit right. happy over the last 20 years. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
So, no, I like what the, the the Mets are doing. The Yankees kind of have, like, that whole Raiders mentality. It's like the flash in the pan. Let's get the guy with the name. And it just, it you know, it worked out for the Raiders with Jerry Rice and, the, you know, that run and the tuck rule and all that stuff. But um, other than that, like, uh, but, no, I like what the Mets are doing, the Yankees. Uh, my my next thing was I, I told um, – I'm not sure who answered the phone. Didn't catch his name. But um, Zach Wilson, man, I I haven't heard anybody say – I didn't think he looked good. Like, nearly terrible. Like, he, um, the, the pass, the 50-yard pass that he threw, he underthrew it. The receiver did all the work on that. Um, he had a pass in what I would call, the, like, the upper flat that he just completely overthrew the guy out of bounds. He was open. Um you know, the, the slip on the turf, you can say the turf was bad. Um, and then the block pass. When they showed the replay of that, the, the defensive lineman had his hand up for at least two seconds before he threw it right into his hand. I, I, I just don't see marked improvement to where this guy is, is going to be anything that the Jets can rely on in the future. Yeah, I, I mean, Jason, I, I thank you for the phone call. Um, it, it's it's a lot to sit there and really try to forecast gloom and doom based on three series in the preseason, right? And we'll get into that in just a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save the Jets for the next hour, but we'll talk about Zach for sure. Um, as far as, you know, the other teams and whatnot, it's funny. It's funny Jason's a Cardinal fan because the Cardinals are right there with the Mets this year just in terms of being a huge disappointment, right? I mean, the Cardinals are probably going to finish in last place in the National League Central, and... They've got two of the better players in baseball and, you know, in, in Goldschmidt and Arenado as, as their corner infielders. But the Cardinals were sellers at the deadline. And that's not usually the way the Cardinals roll. You know, there aren't a lot of years where they have these sub-500 out of contention completely seasons in St. Louis. So that's a little bit surprising there. I wonder if there's going to be some changes. But just to finish up on the Mets. So remember it was about five years ago where the Rangers, when they decided to go through this rebuild, and they started to trade away veterans on their club, you know, like the Ryan McDonough trade and, and so on and so forth. And they sent out that letter to the fans explaining this is the direction that the organization is going. We decided that this is in the best interest of the club. And, you know, there might be some lean years in the not-too-distant future. But eventually, you know, we're going to turn this thing around and we're going to build a sustainable winner. That's the goal. Well, it didn't take the Rangers as long as maybe they initially thought in that letter because the Rangers were back being a playoff team, playing some good hockey, and, and it took them, you know, sooner rather than later. And the Mets kind of spun their own version of a letter last night, and they sent that out to their season ticket holders. And among other things... You know, it's, you know, they thank the players that they traded away. You know, we thank the fans for their support. We decided to make the decision to turn things over a little bit and to be able to build a sustainable winner. They mentioned a lot of the prospects that they, that they received in return. And then it was interesting, too, because some of the other names that they mentioned in the letter, specifically, it says, we promise you we will work hard to field a competitive team in 2024. Our core group of experienced players, including Brandon Nimmo, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, and Edwin Diaz, plus supplementation in the free agent market, will allow us to put together a formidable team next season. So Alonso's name is mentioned there because I think that maybe not so much now, right? But once you get to the end of the season and once you get into the hot stove portion of the winter, I think Alonzo's name is going to be right near the top of the list, maybe at the top of the list, as to 
what's going to happen with him going into 2024, right? He's got one more year of team control. You know that he and the Jets, or the Jets, he and the Mets have already had contract extension talks. That was way back in spring training, and they weren't able to hammer out a deal. And they said, okay, we're going to table those till down the road and just worry about playing baseball this year. But Pete's a guy that's going to want to get paid, right? And he has produced so far in his career. I mean, if not for that COVID season in 2020 where he only played 60 games, I mean, Pete Alonso's a guy so far in his big league career that he's a 30-home run hitter every single season that he's been in the big leagues, right? So he is a power threat. He's a guy that you put in the middle of that lineup, but unfortunately this year he's not having a very good season in terms of the other departments, right? Not hitting for average, hitting a lot lower than we're accustomed to seeing him hit. And you wonder, what is that attributed to? And I understand that they're going to tell you batting average doesn't matter anymore in baseball, but to me it does. You know, to me it does. Getting a hit, there's nothing. You're not going to penalize somebody for getting a hit and getting on base. Okay, that still counts. It still means something. But the question that the Mets are going to have to answer is that Pete Alonso right now is somebody who is going to be 29 years old in December. So next year he's going into his age 29 season. How long of a contract are you going to give him? Do you want to give him seven, eight years, which is probably what he wants, and for what kind of money? You know, and the fact of the matter is, since Pete Alonso's been here, what is it, five years in his career, Mets have made the playoffs one time, and they didn't get out of the first round. Tough questions for Steve Cohen and company once you get to the offseason. Oh, and by the way, if you decide to trade him, it'll continue on with this youth movement because you could probably get a lot in return for Pete Alonso. There's going to be some club that will give you a couple of darn good prospects probably form. A team that feels it's this close to contending. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>